My name is Preston Grace, and I'd like to welcome you to the No Walls Podcast. All right, so I got I got maybe maybe a fun question to start off with. Um, what is currently something that you do regularly that takes the most discipline from you? It doesn't have to be. This isn't like a, a competition. So if it's not five thousand push-ups, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. But I've been I've been um, doing intermittent fasting. Oh really? I don't know if that applies, that but that sucked because applies. I love breakfast. I love breakfast time. Yeah. Not necessarily like like super breakfasty foods or whatever, which I do. I love that, but um, yeah, not eating until like lunchtime every day, and that's been like yes. this has purpose. This is good. Yeah. Keep reminding yourself why you're doing it. That, Absolutely, that's been one. It's not been fun, but yeah, success. <laughs> I think for me, it's probably. I'll give you two, okay? Because like they're both really difficult for me. I think the first one is probably just in general getting up. Like so, we get up at like six thirty in the morning mm-hmm. to get all the kids ready uh, to go to school, and uh, it's not really like my favorite thing because um, my family doesn't really move at my pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when I get up, <clears throat> if I'm up and everyone else is like kind of like sludging through the morning, which is kind of the natural flow. Because I'm really the only, like, up and run. I, well, I say that Emery, my, my oldest daughter, is a lot like that with me. But the other two, like, Emery or em, uh, Ember, Axius, and then Nicole, mm-hmm. really are, like, diesel engines that take a whole <laughs> second to, like, get ready to run when it's cold outside. <clears throat> so we get up at 630 just as a family. Let's get up. We're all up together kind of starting the day. Uh, and it just it takes a lot of discipline for me because, I, like, I'm also having to, like, be kind. Oh, yeah. Like, during that time. So we do it so early. Because our kids don't actually have to get to school till like, like eight, and so we get up at six thirty. That way, it gives them the like appropriate amount of time mm-hmm. to really get up and not feel crazy rushed in the morning, which we did really wrong for so many years. Because <clears throat> we like started doing six thirty, because it gives them plenty of time to get up, to get around at their own pace. They don't have to get rushed by me to get their clothes and stuff on, uh, and then like I go with them to drop them off. So like, oh, that's cool. Me and Nicole will drive every morning we'll drop the kids off at school and then we'll go home which is also kind of takes a bit of discipline for me because i just have to make sure that i'm carving out that portion of the morning so yeah. like i don't get to go to the gym until after that like that portion is just kind of like a set aside discipline for us now that like we get up as a family we get ready as a family we go to school as a family um and so i i kind of want to i have my own personal morning routines that i like mm-hmm. and so it's really inconvenient to like find space for them in that that sounds incredibly selfish no but yeah. it's just true like yeah. i have a way i would like to wake up but loving my family well means kind of shifting my morning routine so that we are our best versions there's no more morning arguments or fights it's like just generally fun and now we listen like christmas music on the way um i think the other one is real simple it's just journaling mm. it isn't natural for me to journal um so like having to sp- like pick time in the evening to journal at the end of the day it's like just really inconvenient because by the time i get home kind of life is already happening we got dinner hang out with the kids so just to spend find space to journal is honestly complicated but it's worth it so i do it i've noticed that every time i've tried journaling like in my head 
it's this moment where life is completely paused and I'm like, so here's what's going on in this scene in my life. And it's never like that. Like it actually has, you have to interrupt life to talk about life or to write down about life. And it, mm-hmm. it is kind of frustrating. Like the majority of the time I go to write something and then it, the ending topic is like nothing. Like, like I had yeah. no intentions on like talking about that, <laughs> yeah. but like look what came out of it. It's super frustrating. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about that because you guys both just said things that you do, but like you would almost rather not do. Like they're like they're you both had alternatives to like you know like this is inconvenient. This isn't easy to do, and uh, the reason why you guys can do those things is because you both have purpose behind it. You both have reasons behind doing it. And I was thinking about this because a few weeks ago in our uh, student ministry switch, one of the talk notes was like. It said, "It you can, en- let's see, what did it say? You can endure pain if it has meaning behind it. Was that what the talk note was? Yeah. Uh, you can go through any amount of pain if there's purpose in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> normally we have some, like, students that, like, kind of try to disagree or just, just kind of <laughs> just to, like, be whatever. And, like, every single one of them was like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Like, if, yeah, if I was given, you know, whatever. And, uh it kind of made me think of like, and you've said this before, um, and I agree with you, like most people, if you wave like a billion dollars in front of their face, they will do anything, right? Like like that incentive, it's not necessarily purpose, but it is incentive and they will do anything for it. And so I guess my question is, how do I have billion dollar purpose weaved into my life? <laughs> like just in the mundane. <clears throat> Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> I think it starts with figuring out what matters most to you. I think part of the reason it's hard for us to have purpose is because um, I don't think we always, I, I, I don't think that we ask ourselves what matters to us. Mm. So I was, I was t- like in my, in my message last night, I was talking about how like, a lot of the times like we like we'll do a lot of things because other people project like their wishes onto us yeah right like a lot of really well-meaning parents will like try to create their child's future for them Mm. instead of trying to process like who's god called my child to be like who is my kid like i don't author my child's identity i don't like I, that's not how that works. Like they are who they are, um, and like I think what happens a lot of the times <coughs> is life kind of snuffs out our ability to dream. Um, whether it be we've shot a few shots in our life and they didn't work, so then we just assume nothing does, or <coughs> we have like people in our life that tell us we dream too big. Mm-hmm. Like that's not even realistic. You're just wasting time. Do what do what's practical. Yeah. I'm saying don't go don't do that career do this career mm-hmm. because that career how much money are you really going to make in that this one practically you do this over this period of time for that much time and you'll have this yeah and I think the problem is <coughs> is things can like mathematically make sense on paper but like not be like what's best for you mm-hmm. I think that's where purpose comes in I don't think that we really uh, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think as a culture we really inspire people to live for purpose. Yeah. Uh, 
purpose allows me to do the hard things. Mm. Purpose allows me to endure. Purpose allows me to stand when I want to fall. Purpose allows me to keep moving when life is difficult. And for so many people, we do things in life because we're either told we were supposed to, thought that was what culture suggested, or just kind of like fell into it. Like, it's just my first job and I didn't hate it. Yeah. And so I blinked and now I'm 35 years old. I've been here for 20 years and I don't really know what else to do, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you were ever meant to live like that. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that if you're in that space, you're a terrible person. I'm just saying, I think you can have purpose. Yeah. And I think having billion dollar purpose weaved into our life is figuring out what that purpose is. Like, I heard uh, I heard Irma McManus say one time that he believes your twenties is really trying to cultivate your worldview. Mm-hmm. Like all of your twenties is really designed to experiment, yeah. figure out like how you're built, uh, how you see the world, what personality types you mesh with, which ones you don't, like what you hope life to be. Like if you like, honestly, like my interests, my desires, what I thought my life would look like now at 29 is way different than when I was 23. Yeah. Like I really thought like I would have planted a church at 27. Mm -hmm. I have no desire to plant a church right now. (laughs) I'm good. No, thanks. But, like, I didn't think that when I was 21. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the trajectory I thought I was going to do. And I'm actually super stoked now that I'm not doing that. I have purpose where I'm at. Yeah, I'm not chasing a pipe dream. Like, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, which allows me to enjoy it, which also allows me to do the difficult moments, face the hard times. Uh, and I think you can build your life around purpose. Mm. I think you can love what you do and do what you love. Genuinely, with my whole heart, believe that is true. That like God didn't give you a desire to see something beautiful happen and not give you the ability to do it. Yeah. Like you have the capacity to do what you were loved to do. So the way you have billion dollar purpose weaved into your life is you first gotta figure out what the heck that purpose is. Like mm-hmm. what am I actually pa- what am I passionate about? Not what's my mom passionate about, not what my grandma passionate about, not what do I think other people think I should be passionate about. Like what am I genuinely excited about? Like what do I look forward to in this life? What do I want to see in this life? And then when I find that, build around it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Start cultivating. Get a job that actually aligns with what you like. Yeah. I hate numbers. I'm a banker. You're right. <laughs> really weird. Wait a second. How'd that yeah. happen? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, your job should not create for you dread every day you wake up. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that's how that's meant to be. Like, find a job you love. Do you, do you think that, uh, do you think purpose is like a growing and living thing? Like, um, well, I will tell you what I mean. Like, do you think that it, like, it shifts? Like it's a moldable thing. Like it, like it shifts at different points. And like, like say, I feel like my purpose is to reach people, like whatever that means, right? And like for me, or, or use me for example. Like, like I thought that my avenue of being able to be effective was music, but really, like when I when I pull back to the root of like what I feel like I'm called to do in this world is like loving well like loving people well like 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 guiding them to to christ and what i believe blah 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 and like like what i found out is like i my my purpose wasn't just me with my microphone and and singing a song it was like the heart position behind it so like i guess when i'm asking do you think it's like a moldable like move um like a living thing like you're it's growing and changing and shifting all the time Um, yeah i think I think I would say yes and no. <clears throat> what I mean by that, 
is I think you could have a genuine specific purpose. I think it's possible that like someone could have like just a finite crystal clear. I have, I know that I know that I know that I know this is the thing I'm supposed to do with my life. And it'd be very specific and they do it and sell out to that and live the rest of their life full of joy and full of purpose chasing that finish line up. But also I do think that it could be a little bit broader than being that narrow which would allow the way it plays out plays out in lives to be different. Also, like I said, you are kind of figuring things out in your twenties. Sure. So, whether or not your purpose itself is actually changing of your life, or just your clarity of what it actually is changes. <laughs> like, so I would have said to you that my purpose at twenty one was to be a pastor of a church, <clears throat> and right. I would have said that with full conviction. I don't pr- currently believe that. Now, I believe that my purpose is helping see people, like helping people see inside themselves what makes them them. Right. Right. So what I found out was the reason ministry works for me is because for the way that I'm built and because of what I believe, it is the best avenue for me to have a space to help you both understand that you have immense capacity inside you. Right. But also have the freedom to help you realize it. Right. And so the reason I'm a pastor isn't because like I think I'm supposed to be a pastor, if you will. I'm a pastor because I have a profound love for Jesus, have a high value for what he's done inside my life and what I think he can do in other people's. But I am deeply excited about seeing other leaders realize that same truth inside of them. Like I have a high level of joy when I watch switch leaders show up and baptize the students that they're leading in their tribes. Like when I get to see that moment, there's nothing in this church that makes me that excited. I don't, I didn't know that at 21. So like what I've realized now over life is like, actually my purpose is really just helping people unlock the God given potential inside them. And so it's possible that that could have me outside the church one day. Like, Like I could see a world in which I'm not necessarily a pastor but I'm just out here developing people. Sure. Now, I don't know if that world comes, but that wouldn't shift my purpose, if you will. I sure. think my purpose is, but also, like I said, I'm 29. It, At 35, you, I could have a totally different perspective on what I think <clears throat> purpose is. So I would I would revise my question okay. just a smidge in the moment. I was like, oh, maybe this is what I'm saying. Um, like I was like, what is the difference between purpose and calling? And so in the moment, I guess the question is, is like, I feel like maybe your calling doesn't change, but your purpose does. Purpose feels like, like momentary. Like I'm, I, my purpose in this moment is to be this for this. And like my call, it, it like is, it, does a calling shift? Does your purpose shift? I guess I'm asking more than declaring, but so do sure. they feel I, like two different things to you? I, it feels a little semantics to me. Like it feels like we're kind of maybe splitting hairs. Um, like, yeah, like I, I think, I think you have a calling. Like there is a thing God put you on earth to do. Sure. Um, and I think there are things God put you on earth to do. And I think that would also be your purpose. Like I think when you, when, when the, when the decisions and actions you are doing with your life move towards that ultimate picture that God put inside of us and on us, that's where, the best seasons of life happen. That's where peace that surpasses understanding understanding exists. That's where joy exists. That's where fulfillment exists. That's where passion exists. And so when those things line up, I think that's where life's at its best. 
Um, and so I, th- I think, I, I think for me, I would say there's some, I think I would say they're the same. I think purpose is the same thing as calling. Sure. Like your purpose is found in your calling. Like, so I don't, I don't think you really have one without the other. Sure. Uh, but like, I, I think your calling and the way that God uses that is very broad. That's the part that is something I believe now that I didn't always believe when I was younger. It's like, we have an ultimate calling. I just think God's capacity to use that in so many different arenas of life is bigger than we think, which is why like sometimes I'm a little sad when like pastors feel locked into the church mm-hmm. because like I love the local church. I'm a huge fan of the local church. You've not listened to very many Noble's podcasts without us talking about how much I think community matters. Yeah. But also like God can do more than just the four walls. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's something, there's so much outside of here too. So to think that like, because I am a pastor, the only thing I can ever do as pastor feels very limiting to what God has the capacity to do and vice versa. If you are called to do things outside of the church, to think that you could never be a part of the church is also just as limiting. Like yeah. they, I think they bleed. I think it's one and the same. Like the church is not a building. It's the people mm-hmm. and what God's doing in the people can be so vast and so unique and so different. Um, so yeah, I think purpose is calling, I think they're the same. Um, I just think there may be different ways to, to go about calling it that. I think calling is probably more of a charismatic way to frame it, and purpose is more probably like non-denominational Baptist-type like terminology. Like They feel like they're the same thing, just slightly different. Cool. I think that's probably what I would say. <clears throat> so when you're doing something that is mundane, like I'm trying to think of something that you'd have to do. Well, I mean, like... Uh, I don't know, when you're doing something that, that you don't necessarily enjoy, like, wanting to do, is there, like, something you go back to? Like, is that how you, you do you have to constantly remind yourself of your purpose, or did you kind of, like, um, let me ask that differently. So whenever you're, like, in, in a spot where you're doing something you don't really want to do, like, it, it maybe it's just one of those, we don't always have great days, right? Do you go back to reminding yourself of your purpose or do you like, do you have like a practice for that or is there, how does that work? Do you have a, you want me to go first? You I, I actually do. So, <coughs> um, <laughs> I'm about to make it so clear that, uh, I may have missed my own calling. <laughs> there's a lot of things about pastoring. I hate, <laughs> like, I'm just gonna be honest with you. There's a lot of like kind of day in day out things that I'm like, I don't, this is not like, it doesn't fill my cup the same way. Right. Like there's only so many ways I can like have a moment to see you develop. So there's a lot of like just routine yeah. that exists. And yeah. so like, I've had to realize over time, like, like the gift is in the grind, mm-hmm. if you will. Like there's, there are beautiful moments that are happening. Like the, the day in day out things are really what are building relationships that make those special moments so incredibly special. Yeah. Uh, it's not all just the highlight moments. Mm. I like the highlight moments. You know what I'm saying? I played sports my whole life. I love the pregame speech. I love the halftime huddle. Like I'm about the energy. So then when we're doing the things in between the moments that aren't as energetic, that I don't love that as mm. much, right? Like I, a desk job would be very difficult for me. <coughs> and so what I do <coughs> when I find myself in the tensions, like I'm going to be honest with you, love preaching, mm-hmm. love preaching mm-hmm. like I want the mic in my hands all the time absolutely loathe sermon prepping mm. yeah 
which is the weirdest thing in the world because you can't really have the first without the latter, right? right? <laughs> but like, I find it stressful. I find a ton of anxiety in it. I'm constantly worried about like, does this thought make sense? Is it flowing the way it should? Does this sermon make sense? Like, I can feel the tension in that. But then like, when I find myself in moments like that, um, where it's like, I don't really want to do this. Like, this isn't this. Like, I I, I want to procrastinate. I want to put it off to the last possible minute. Yeah. I go back to remembering, like, I am right now doing what I spent so many years of my life praying I would get the chance to. Oh, yeah. And so when I remember that I'm currently living in the answer to the prayers of former Taylor, yeah, the purpose comes back. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Like, That's I good. remember, like, I fought for this moment. <clears throat> I bled for this moment. I prayed for this moment. I cried for this moment. Like, God has been cultivating something in me throughout the years to get me to where I am. Like mm-hmm. I'm only here. I'm only able to be frustrated by the mundane in this moment because of the faithfulness of God. And so then it reminds me all over again of like, no, the gift is in the grind. Like yeah. the mundane is a gift. The frustrating is a gift. And it doesn't change that's frustrating. It doesn't change that's mundane, but the purpose comes back. Yeah. So then I still sermon prep. <clears throat> I still take the meeting. I still have the phone call. I still make the post. I still uh, do the things that like don't necessarily make me super stoked so that I can be a part of the thing that ultimately is my passion. And so then when I get up on stage and I get to have a conversation with students about who God is and what he's doing inside their life, and I get to see leaders lead and I get to see them love and I get to see them be a part of life change, I get to see that moment of purpose fulfilled because there was purpose throughout that week, and I'm yeah. only here now because I'm getting to live out the prayers and the work of years past. And so when I find myself in the moments of the mundane, the way I call purpose back is I remind myself, like, I'm doing things today that I spent years praying for. And then if I get into moments that are different, like maybe you're maybe you're not on that end of the story mm-hmm. yet. You're still trying to get to the moment that the answered prayer hasn't shown up then I'm rem- remembering why I do it. So it's it's a, it's a twofold. I remember yeah. I prayed for this, this thing's a gift, but I also remember like why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to see the thing I'm praying for happen, mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't quit in my early 20s yeah, because I believed this day that we're happening right now would mm-hmm. come. So I kept fighting when it was difficult, when it was hard, when I wasn't sure I was good at this thing. I kept fighting still because like I knew what the purpose I was chasing was. So it it goes both ways. Yeah. So if you can look back and see that God's been faithful, then I would say that's the best way. Cause then you can see it, know it, experience like, Oh my gosh, what am I, what am I complaining for? This is the thing I wanted so desperately. But if you aren't there yet, then you look to the thing that you're believing God to do and you keep chasing that thing. Cause scripture says God rewards faithfulness. So you just keep plugging away and the way you can do that is because you remember every step is a moment of purpose. Mm-hmm. The faithful step today is what's going to get me to be the person he's calling me to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And when I get to that place, that's where purpose is fulfilled. Yeah. But in this moment, I do the hard thing. I face the mundane. I do the discipline because I know that ultimately this thing's producing the fruit I want to eat later. Yeah. One of my favorite, uh, as you know, one of my favorite worship pastors is Stephanie Gretzinger. And she's, I, I've listened, I was thinking of the concept of like that wrestle. Um, and it made me think of a quote that she had said one time about, um, 
sometimes she sings a song in her per- in wor- in worship sometimes she sings it from a perspective of i'm declaring your goodness i believe what i'm saying uh, and she was talking about the song uh, king in my heart specifically she's like sometimes i sing this song from this perspective of like you are good and i know it and i've seen it and i've seen the fruit of it blah 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 and then she said also there's also been times in my life where i've sang uh, songs like we'll use that as for example too um of like <laughs> are you good? Is this good? Like use it in that, in that reference or whatever. Is this a good thing for me in the process? I have faith that God is good and he is who he says he is. So I'm just going to move forward with it, blah, 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 trying to be as faithful with your process in each step as possible. Um, anyway, that's what kind of came, came to mind of like the, I feel like we can get lost me and maybe it's me, but I feel like you can get lost in the structure and regiment side of becoming a healthier human and lose sight of like the human flaw capacity and color and emotion and stuff sometimes not so much like it's absence of but maybe it's not as like like you you get the plant you have the recipe in front of you but you forget about like like what kind of eggs am I going to use what kind of flour should I use white black purple yellow I like and all this kind of stuff and I don't know if that's making any sense but for me like um sometimes it's kind of crippling or exhausting to to like start those processes and stuff because I'm like, but what do I do with everything that I'm trying to figure out like now? Like I want to step into my calling. I want to move forward. I want to get to that point where I'm singing this song and I'm declaring that God is good. This, this, uh, gift in the grind is the good thing. I want to get to that point, but like, help me, help me start there kind of thing. And I know that's kind of like a segue off of the initial conversation, but, but for me, I get so lost in that color sometimes and all the options of all the different ingredients that I could use for the recipe that it seems like so crippling, um, to get to that perspective. Does this make sense? It does. (laughs) I think it's a super great point you bring up. I, I think sometimes what happens is, it seems like there's there's obviously all kinds of like types of people, but there are two that immediately come to mind in that mm-hmm. moment. You have the person who like in that scenario like is just paralyzed by the options. Like there's just too many ways. It's not a fork in the road. It's like it's like like a thousand forks in the road. Sure. It isn't like option A, B, or C. It's like option A all the way to Z. Mm-hmm. So like I've all of these separate things I can go down and then each one of them have an option A all the way to Z. And it's like that thing just, it's like this never ending spiral of options. You have decision fatigue from the jump or you have the other people, the other person who's like not stressed out by the options because it's just like not asking any questions at all. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just kind of like, like fee fi fo fum in life, just kind of blindly walking, <laughs> pedal to the floor, whatever go, happens, yeah. happens, right? Like <laughs> it'll all come out in the wash type. People. Yeah. <coughs> I love that saying, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is like <laughs> for both of them, the question you need to be asking is what's the next faithful step God's called me to that's, take? Yeah. Money. <laughs> like that's the question. So if I'm trying to figure out what my purpose is, what my calling is, then I'm not in a place where I feel like I've got a fixated answer, mm-hmm. right? Because it might change what your perception of that is, but you're really just trying to get to a place where you have absurd confidence in the thing that God's called you to do. And I'm, I don't think that I fully had it right at 21, but it did get me to where I am today, and I feel like I'm right. And I might be wrong again in four years, like sure. who knows? But like, <clears throat> you're really just trying to get to of of like a compass, if you will, like a flag post mm. that we're shooting towards. 
Then the only daggum way you get there is one step at a time. Yeah. Like it's just so irrational to think that you can look at a calculus problem and just 10,000 foot view that thing and answer it. Sure. No, there's a, there's a, there's a method to that madness. There's a place you start. Then you play that thing out until you get to the equation at the end of that thing. Yeah. Then calling and purpose on your life is the exact same way. It isn't this, you're walking down the street one day and you get hit in the head by a brick and Jesus parts the sky open, descends on a cloud and whispers sweet nothings in your ear and boom, thus is the Lord. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not how this thing plays out. Like, it's, it's a journey. It's a process of who he's cultivating you into becoming. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for me, the question we've got to ask is what is the next faithful step for me? That's great. And the problem with that, though, because sometimes that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do I f- figure that out if exactly yeah. three of those options seem like they make a lot of sense? Yeah. Because <laughs> dope in the moments in life when you ask that question, it's just one. And I, like, ideally, that's how it will always be. Because sometimes, man, you got three really good options in front of you, so what do I do? How do I handle that moment? And I think that's where, like, that decision fatigue can get in. And this is where something Jared has said for years. Uh, it is easier to steer a thoroughbred than is to kick a donkey. I have utmost faith in God's ability to realize his plan in my life. So the question I need to ask is, what's the faithful next step for me? If I get to a place where I don't have clarity on that answer, and I've got I've done all the things I know to do, I've prayed, I've asked the question, and mm-hmm. it's still not crystal clear to me. You know what's not the answer? Staying put. Right. That's Stagnant. not the answer. Yep. And that's what happens because right. we get to a moment where it seems like there's too many options, so we just don't do anything because we want to get it wrong. Right. And there's this whole parable of talents. It didn't really play out great for the guy who just buried the talent. Right. But, you know, the answer is still move. It's still take a step. So if you get to a place in your life where you're like, I'm not really sure. Like, I don't have the utmost confidence that this is the most right thing. I got a couple right things. Then just take a step. Make a move. Because what God's going to be able to do in that is something. God can do so much with momentum. And so I think my encouragement would be is to ask the first question, what's the next faithful step? Not what's the ultimate call, not what's the perfect Mm -hmm. plan of God for my life. God, just what have you called me to do today? What are you calling me to do this month? You know, what am I called to do this year, God? Like like bring that thing real micro and stop being so caught up into the 10,000-foot macro view of it. And then if you don't got an answer to that and it's not clear as day, still move. Because the decision to ask the questions, the work to process what you've called me to do, what's that faithful step, there's grace on that, man. Like, God's not going to just kick you out because you didn't hear perfect. Like, one of my my favorite things I've ever heard, I don't know which pastor said this, was like, God has a contingency for our stupidity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like when he created the plan in our life, he knew we were going to miss it. Yeah. And so, like, the fear that if we take the wrong step, the whole thing's going to fail, that's not how this thing plays out. I think it's Proverbs 19.21 that says, Many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Like, we're just going to miss it. Like, our our acumen is just not perfect, and we can't see the future. There are going to be times where we do all we know to do. We take a step and it doesn't play out like we thought. And that's where the faith and the mercy and the grace of God come into play. we got faith in him that he'll be good still, He's got contingency for it. Yeah. So I would still say the answer is the same. What's the next faithful step God's called me to take? And if that's not clear, still move. Just don't stay put. Do you remember the 51% um, sermon that Michael Todd did? Yeah. 
that was such a freeing, powerful message for me because I found myself in that. I found myself like at a crossroads with like 10 different options. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And like I was flattering doing all of them, right? Yeah. And so anyway, I remember having a conversation. I remember listening to that sermon. Then I remember having a conversation with Jared, a lot of conversations with Jared and moving forward almost like with almost every one of them. Like I gave it, like I didn't have a hard stance, no on which one to take a step with. So I tried all of them. And then in the first step, I realized like, Oh, that was a shut door. That that's not (laughs) me. That's absolutely. And then I moved to the next one and then I was like, Oh wow, that's not it either. And then blah blah blah, so on and so forth. It yeah. like, like, like you're talking about like grace for the process. He he, God was fine with me doing that. He was fine with those like one at a step time, like me figuring it out instead of like pushing me the way that I'm supposed to go. Like yeah. I I walked it. It was like oh crap, that was the door shut. And I have faithfulness that like okay cool, that box was checked. I'm moving to the next one. So that's not sustainable. Remember how that hurt last time you did it? Like and move on and so on and so forth. But anyway, I was just thinking about that like 51 percent message and that shook me. That concept shook me because it was like if it's not one defined perfect step forward that it's not God. And I remember growing up with that perspective and like, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit in my puddle and like, that's, that's it. Yeah. Man, I, I think the better question to ask and, uh, at this frustrate somebody, I apologize, but I genuinely think the best question to ask is not what's God's perfect next step. Like, I think the best question to ask is what's the most good step I can take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know it's like super broken English, <laughs> but like, what's the what's the most right thing I can do? Yeah, that's like, good. That's such really a better though. question and such a better gauge because like, so much more. You could doable. spend yeah. years of your life laboring over whether or not something is perfect. Oh yeah, like, you're just never gonna get there, man. Yeah. Like, you're, and you're never gonna have that level of certainty. Almost like, there's almost no way you're ever gonna take a step and just have crystal clear certainty. This is 100% going to play out exactly like I think it is. Mm. No, but you can get to a place where you have peace. Right. Because, like, all right, God, I got peace that this is as right a decision as I can currently make. With the data that I have, with the questions I've asked, with the prayers I've done, this seems the most right. And that's really all I've got. And I think if we just based all of our decisions like that, we yeah. ran through all those filters, ask God, ask people we trust, you know, do all the things. You get to the end of the day, and it's like, just what's the most right thing you can do? That's a place you can have some peace on. And that that can be done every time. <clears throat> there are no exceptions to that rule. Right. Like you absolutely, in my personal opinion, can without a doubt get to a place to where you can find the most right decision for you. That 51%. Yeah. That's it. Like you can 100% do that. But what you cannot sustainably do is get the perfect next step every time. Yep. Yeah. So you're going to spend your life frustrated and anxious and worried and stagnant. Just, just stuck like, it's so crippling. Trying to do it yeah. that way. What's the most right thing I can yeah. do today? What's the next faithful step? The next yeah. faithful step is going to be the most right thing I can do today. Right. And that's the thing I'm going to try. Right. Yeah. And then I'm going to trust God with every step afterwards. Right. Yeah. And for our listeners, the fifty-one percent concept is like moving forward, um, like like if you're wrestling or whatever. It's that fifty. It's fifty-one percent is bigger than forty-nine percent. So move forward as if it is God until you get a no. That's okay, the concept. Yeah. I just to clarify. Yeah, that's good. No, absolutely.
I was uh, so I just do you guys have a like a specific moment that you found yourself at a like move forward with 51 percent like that first step that looked like that do you guys have like a spef- specific time in your life or that kind of pops up I feel like this whole last year has been a move forward with 51 percent <laughs> thing for me uh <laughs> like <laughs> uh yeah just being back here like f- like coming back here was like the first one right because I, I came in I, I was playing at switch while I was playing on Sundays at another church and like I started getting this feeling we we're having conversations and stuff and I was like this just feels right to be here and like it seems kind of weird to just you know kind of bounce and just be here but and like I did it like I you know gave the other people like notice it wasn't like I was like God's calling me here bye guys you know or whatever but like that was kind of one of those like I'm not sure, but like this feels like this is this is God, and so I'll move and see, you know. And then I was here, and then uh, Taylor was gracious enough to have like hour-long conversations with me, just me asking questions about <laughs> theology and stuff. And hashtag the beginning of no walls. Hashtag, yeah, that's exactly yeah. <laughs> and uh, I feel like like everything that's came out of that has been that. It's like it's like okay, I'm. I'm th- I think I'm feeling called to ministry, you know, I think I'm feeling called to, to pastoring maybe. And then Taylor's like, well, maybe we should start doing one eighties. And it's like, okay, like <laughs> that's a 51%. Let's just do it. You know what I mean? And then like, uh, I brought up the no walls, like, d- like maybe doing a podcast and like, right. I wasn't hundred percent sure on that. Like that seems like a weird world to be in. And then like, we've been doing that, you know, ever since. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I feel like my whole year has just been that. And so I loved the I loved the inquisitive like I remember that season starting like I came in a little bit late to it. But if you I'm sure you remember, but like going to lunch there for like I I feel like a month or so, like you would go to the same like we go to lunch every week um, on Tuesdays and have like a meeting or whatever. But you like went with us and like you had like so many questions on like like trying to get a perception of like like a worship experience and like my take on worship and opinions and stuff like that. And just like you were like so knowledge hungry in that little season of life. It was like not that you're not now, but like I remember just being like. Wow, this kid like this guy's asking like a lot of stuff. Like this <laughs> yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think special. I think the last time I feel like I was faced with a 51% decision, it was probably <coughs> honestly it was probably 4 years ago when we took over Switch. <coughs> I really did not um I did not have a high desire to be the student pastor at the Brick like at all really like I had done it once before, and it was a train wreck, man. Like, and we did some good, so it's not to say like the entire thing was just awful, but it was not good for me, and it was not good for my marriage, and it was not good for us. Mm-hmm. And so, when the idea of like shifting from being Jared's hosting pastor to the brick switch pastor, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, that did not go well last time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was really, really unsure and uneasy about the whole thing on, like, could this even be healthy? <coughs> and, like, I remember talking to Nicole about it. <coughs> and it was, like, I was legitimately planning just to just be, like, I- I'm good. I-, I don't think it's my thing. And then, like, Nicole, my wife, is, like, you know, I, I think I miss student ministry. Like, and she had no idea that, like, Jared had even mentioned it to me yet. Oh, wow. Because I was just going to, like, unilaterally make the call for us both. <laughs> and I was, like, mega shook. I was like, because ah, it was not a good time for her. Yeah. 
and the fact that she was interested really kind of like swayed me a little bit to like, oh wait, that's odd. That seems different. So then we spent a few weeks talking about that. And even when I said yes, like I was absolutely fifty one forty nine, man. Like Jared even asked me this really difficult question. Cause like which which annoyed the mess out of me. Because he's the whole As reason he does, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's the whole reason I'm considering doing it, which like in its own thing is freaking ridiculous. And like then I <laughs> then I get to I think my fifty one forty nine. Kind of like I mean, yeah, I, I think we'll do it. I was like, all right. So the next question I need you to answer is like, how much of you is trying to prove or right a wrong <laughs> versus you feel like you're called to do it? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't I I I didn't even want to say yes. Now you asked me a second freaking question on top of it that I'm now more annoyed by than I was when this whole thing started. Like, I don't know what percentage of this is me trying to like prove something to myself. Like. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely there. I was really oh, bad the first time. I love <laughs> really it. like to find out yeah. that I'm not as bad as I think I might be. Like, ugh. Because even when I got to the end of that, it was like, I don't even know if I've got this percentage right. So I don't remember what my answer was, but I gave it to him. And I was like, definitely in his 51, 49 percentage moment. Anyways, and I wound up moving because it seemed like the most right thing. The guy I trusted most of my life and uh my wife were both team do it mm. and i was like oh, okay well if my wife is in and then you know the guy i consider my dad is saying it's a good idea then that's probably about as close to confirmation as i'm gonna find so i'll take the step that's yeah. good and we did and here we are and it happened. Killing it. And it was a fantastic time, and I'm loving it. And uh, I got there on a 51 for sure. Man. There was no confidence I had in my ability to walk this thing out. That's, that's uh, <coughs> I guess the commonality is, like, like taking steps with people is definitely easier. Because, like, I was obviously, like, doing the podcast, doing 180s and stuff. Like, even though, like, I was, like, I was honestly, like, nervous about it. Like, I was like, oh, this, isn't, this is weird. I'm doing a podcast. And, like, you know, I'm 19. What, what? It's like, but I had you there. You know what I mean? And you were confident in it. Yeah. And then, like, you had Jared and Nicole there. So, yeah. Ooh, there's something in that, bro. Like, it, it's such a big deal. So there's something. I stole this from Ermit Manus. So I did not create this. Because every night I want to pray for my kids. One of the prayers we pray is that we'd always be people that live by faith, that are known by love, and our voice is a hope. Because, mm-hmm. like, every prayer gets ended with that for my family. And there's something so much, there's something so powerful in choosing to live your life in a way that you are a voice for other people. Yeah. Like, it's one thing, man, to be chasing the call of God in your life, kind of trying to figure out, God, who have you called me to be? What have you called me to do? But there's something so special and incredible and powerful when you'll shift your view from ju- not just you, to but to the people around you. God, how do I help them discover in themselves what you put inside them? Yeah. God, how do you use my life, not just for me or my own good, but how do I make my family healthier? How do I help the people I love and care about win and see themselves? And so there's something about being like a voice of confidence and hope for the people around you. Like that's, it's so, it's incredible. And I think sometimes like, (laughs) I just think we underestimate like how truly powerful presence is. Mm -hmm. Like just deciding to be next to somebody sometimes is all they'll ever need. Yep. Like, they don't even need you to have answers or be able to fix an art. It's just knowing that, like, 
there's going to be someone to catch them if they fall is like win, bro. Like you can run so fast, so strong, so far when you know it isn't just on your shoulders alone to carry something. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that for everybody. Like you can't, you can't be that for a thousand people, but you can be that for a few. And finding some people in your life, whether it be one or two, that you can just be that voice for. Whew, man, what, like what you can do in somebody, and what they're like, what God will unlock in their own soul, and what it'll do for you is huge. Like I actually heard our life groups pastor Amy <coughs> shoot a promo video today uh, for life group starting back up, and yeah. she talked about um, like like her word for this life group is going to be adjacent, and that there are people God's put in our life that are adjacent to us, which like is like mm-hmm. next to us and alongside us. And, like, the question she basically asked in the promo video is, like, who are the people God's put adjacent to you for you to bring alongside you, for you to do life with, to love with? And, like, I think it's been, like, stuck in my head since, like, like 10 o'clock this morning. It's yeah. like I just keep thinking about that word. It's such a good word. And I'm like, yeah, it's a great question. Like, who who am I adjacent to? Yeah. Because that's it, man. We're not saying, like, you go change the whole world by yourself. It's one person. But your decision to see the good in somebody else and help them see it and remind them of it and tell them of it, uh, it can change everything. Like you can take uh, the whole trajectory of somebody's life really can be swung on one person choosing to be present. Yeah. Choosing to take advantage of the person they're adjacent to and just be with them and walk with them. And the beauty of that, man, is you don't have to have answers. Yeah. You just got to be present. And I think, like, that's so life-giving to parents. And maybe I feel this so heavy because I am a parent. But, like, it's so freeing to realize I do not have to have all the answers for my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be able to, like, break down every problem. There are going to be things that we face throughout their life that I'm not going to have the answer to. What I know I can control is being with them. Mm-hmm. And they'll never walk it by themselves. Like, as long as there's breath in my lungs I'm on this earth, they'll never face an obstacle alone. And you can do anything when you got people in your corner. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. That's good. I think it's a good place to end this thing. Let's do it. All right. I love you guys. Appreciate it. Love you, man. Love you.